Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. For this week, we are 50% British, 50% Irish, but most definitely still 100% Giants. I'm your host, Dan Ayler, and with me this week, my co-host Shane Whitehouse and Kev McManus. How are you both doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, both. All right. Yeah, good. Uh, looking forward to seeing some of the action from uh, these team activities coming up shortly. Yeah, all good in the hood, mate. Um, Giants Live came out this week. Nice little snippet. Um, but still not long enough. We'll go into that in a minute. Um, we also have a special guest joining us, um, presenter of the Irish NFL Show podcast and diehard New York Giants fan, coming to us live from the Emerald Isle, Emerald Isle itself. Mr. Brian O'Leary joins us today. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's great to finally get together with a couple of Giants fans and have a proper Giants off-season discussion. Absolutely. So our pleasure to have you on, mate. Um, really looking forward to chatting Giants with you um, and about your show, uh, NFL in Ireland as well. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we just want to say thanks to all of our regular listeners uh, for being on the ride with us. We really do appreciate every single one, every single one of you, um, whether in the UK, whether you're in Ireland or elsewhere in the world. Just a big thank you from us to you. So feel free to leave us, leave us a review on Apple. Um, nice five star review. Wouldn't go amiss. Um, Brian will come on to you in a second. Um, but just quickly, obviously, we alluded last week to episode two of Giant's Life. And as obviously, as I said just a minute ago, um, it was launched on Thursday, giving us all an inside look into the Giants' war room during the draft, which was quite good. Um, hearing phone calls between Andy Pettit and the brand new picks before the cards were turned in. Plus, Joe Judge calling Ellison Smith babe. What was that about? <laughs> um, it was a great, it was a great 15 minutes. Um, I literally watched it Thursday evening last week after we got off the last episode. Um, and it was a great look behind the scenes. But what do you guys make of it? Yeah, I loved it. Like I keep saying every time we talk about it, it's not long enough for me. Um, but I love the conversations that they were having with the, the new rookies and just wanted it to last like another 45 minutes. Yeah, I love watching um, the old um, Giants live when they come out. And I think from this episode as well, that you could really see um, like Joe Judge, like who he is and how he is with the players. You can see that he's definitely always been labeled as a bit of a taskmaster. And he, you know, he, you know, make you run your runs and stuff like that. But you can see he's very personable as well. And um, the way he is with the players and with the players' families and stuff like that, um, you can see why he can be uh, so endearing towards the players. Yeah, even though obviously him calling Ellison Smith babe was a bit sort of a bit of a weird moment. It sort of he's obviously got a soft spot for these guys that these new rookies that are coming in, and he's he's really looking forward to getting meet, getting to know them and meeting them in person. Um, and obviously with uh, Tony and the, coming into the building the day after meeting the the owners, meeting um, Dave Gettleman, meeting Joe Judge, um, you could just see that sort of. Camaraderie and that team spirit was there already, and Tony's attitude actually quite surprised me. Um, he was very humble. He was very, um, what's the word? He could, he just could not wait to get started. He could not wait to be in that building. He had so much respect for the jerseys that were in that locker room as well. Um, I thought it was, it was it was a great fifteen minutes. Brian, what did you think of it, mate? Oh yeah, it was fantastic. As you said, fifteen minutes, but you could watch it for an hour, and you you couldn't have enticed you to see the next one, but. Yeah, I agree with the Joe Judge feast. You know, everybody last summer when Joe Judge got the job, weren't really sure what we were getting. And then you, you had that period during training camp where, where media were saying, is this really going to work? But 
as as the year gone on and was we didn't make the playoffs, you could see that every player was 100% committed to playing for him. And you could see the enticing piece around the, the way he spoke to the players. And bear in mind, all these players are coming from very different environments, family environments, different parts of the States that he's able to connect with them straight away. The Ellison Smith one, babe, yeah, that was a very <laughs> peculiar one. But the backstory to that one was, I don't know if you've heard it, but someone asked, I think one of the media guys asked him when he first looked at his, his footage in college and he said at quarter to five in the morning in the facilities when someone handed a tape saying, you got to look at this guy. And straight away he said, we need to we need to make sure that we come out the draft with him. So once it's always about Tony and Aziz Ujulari and the, the main guys that we draft in the fourth, second round, you know, sometimes these third, fourth picks are the guys that end up having stellar careers and you know, I think he, he just seems to really have appealed to Joe Judge, which I think why he was showing that kind of really sentimental type conversation when he when he made that phone call. Yeah, and I think with the the, the later round pick as well, I think it's not necessarily just the talent. Obviously, the talent they're talented anyway, but obviously the first and second round picks are pure are mostly based on talent alone. It's third, those four, third and fourth round picks and so on. They're sort of they're looking for like that character and like someone that will fit in that team. And I think that you could see that connection, that bond that they had already by just by him calling him babe. Um, it was quite a nice sort of little connection thing to see, I thought. Yeah, I also noticed when Tony came into the facilities and he had his family with him and they went into, I believe it was Joe George's office, so how we were so welcome to the family. And I know he does that with all the parents, but an immediate connection to Tony. And to your point about Tony being kind of slightly overwhelmed when he saw the four for Lombardi's in, in the in the cabinet, I think part of him probably felt he wasn't going to get go that early, so early in the draft. There was a lot of people that felt he would go later in the first round, potentially even falling into the second. And I know the Jags have since come out saying they really wanted him at 26. So I think he was kind of shocked in a way that he went so early, but obviously delighted with the team he's getting because he's going to, I believe, he's going to a team that's going to challenge for the division next year. Yeah, definitely. And I heard that the Packers were very high on him as well. And they were, um, he was very high up in their list to pick at, at their pick at the end of the first. Yeah, that's, uh, that's music to my ears that uh, you're saying that, Brian. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, so, yeah, Giants Life, episode two. Roll on episode three, that's all I say. Um, so, as I said earlier, it's great to have you with us this week, mate. Um, Leveling the playing field here on Big Blue UK and Ireland. Shane, you've got a man in your corner, mate, for this week. Um, but usual service will be resumed next week. <laughs> um, so my first question to you is in two parts. So how did you discover the NFL and why are the Giants your team? I'm going to show my age here, but uh, it, it actually goes back as far as 1985. Um, quite a few of my mates were getting into the NFL and uh, predominantly all sport the Bears. And in that 85... 86, 85 bears, right? Yeah, 85 bears. That was that was the talk. Everybody was getting into them. But Phil Sims, I just something intrigued me about watching Phil Sims, maybe because I was a blondie-haired boy, but watching him play for the Giants and then that particular playoff run, 85 going into the 86 Super Bowl, and then the first proper game I got to watch, which was live on Channel 4, was the Giants-Broncos Super Bowl, Super Bowl 21. The Giants won 39-20. That was it. Never. That was it from that day forward. And... Then I was fortunate that in the early 90s, I got a, a number of holidays to the States with, with my parents. My mom's friend uh, went to live out in the States. So we uh, we got to travel out there for a couple of holidays. And one of them was, was in 1991, which was just after the Giants beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. So I managed to get myself 
a Starred or Phil Sims jersey out there because those type of items are few and far between. Like it's not the way it is now. You can buy jerseys here, there, and everywhere now. And have you, you can get still got that jersey? I don't. I don't. And I keep thinking I'm gonna have to go buy that retro jersey. Right, that'll but, be a collector's piece now. Yeah, I know. But uh, no, that was it. And like Phil Sims didn't play in that Super Bowl. It was Hostetler, but like again, to be over in the stage just after they'd won that Super Bowl and to be able to come home with all the Super Bowl. T-shirts and attire and all the and I still have the the Super Bowl bag and stuff like that. So that was this. So it's a, it's a long time ago now, but uh, yeah, and it's That's never changed. So we've had some good years. We've had a lot of poor years over the past while. So you know, for fans who haven't been around as long as people who see the Giants now, I don't know if they see the Giants in the way we'd see them. You know, as not the team that you'd look to support now. Like you look, you go around now. He's probably Packers and Chiefs and Seahawks and all these teams that have had reasonably good success over the, over the last three or four years. So usually when you meet Giants fans, the age group is, is a different dynamic. Yeah, I mean, my first exposure to the Giants was back in 2000 when we lost the Super Bowl to the Ravens. That was the first game I ever watched, first NFL game I ever watched. Um, and then years later, obviously 2006, to, end of 2006, beginning of 2007, my brother reintroduced me to the game. Um, and my brother was a Colts fan. So obviously Peyton Manning at the time, Eli Manning at the Giants, He's my brother, their brothers. The link was there. But yeah, my first exposure to the Giants was back in 2000 when we lost the Super Bowl to, uh, to, the, Ra- to the Ravens' defence. Um, Kerry see, Collins. See, Dan, I avoided that conversation, you know. <laughs> so at least, at least you've got a Super Bowl win for your first exposure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. so. Technically, mine is the same, actually, because I jumped on board in 07, didn't I, when the, the Giants came over to play the Dolphins uh, at Wembley. Yeah, had to get involved that way. But just um, to ask you, Brian, um, two parts again. Sort of, would there be many Giants fans back home in Ireland uh, that you know of? And secondly, um, how have you seen the NFL itself grow in Ireland since you've been a fan? Yeah, I know a couple of Giants fans, and, and I've, it's funny I've actually met them through the Giants forum. So I've been over to games in the states, and I know there's a couple of guys that come on a few times and have put questions out to fans, predominantly looking for information of guys in the States around getting to the stadium, what's involved in that, what's what's out there, you know, because you know yourself, if you go to a game in the States, it's a very different environment with the tailgating as if you go to a football match, whether it's in Ireland or in the UK, where you've got pub, pubs, you know, near the ground. It's it's not like that over there. Well, in some in some stadiums it is, but if you go out to MetLife for the old joint stadium, you're literally going out to a, an open area and be prepared for what you're going to get. So... <laughs> I went back and gave the guys a bit of information and then they quickly picked up on the fact that I was Irish, had conversations and we've been mates ever since. So we're on a Giants WhatsApp group. So very unique way to meet a couple of Giants fans. But for, in terms of the game itself, I mean, it's grown so much from when I started watching it. Like We had Channel 4 coverage, 86 onwards, give or take. You, had, you might get a live game. You get live games during the playoffs and obviously the Super Bowl, but you're, you're pretty much waiting for the highlight show to be on. Monday evenings, maybe Sunday night, where they put on a delayed coverage from half nine onwards. And then as the years have progressed, I mean, Sky, Sky taking the game on was a game changer for everyone, you know, just in terms of the exposure to the game. And we were fortunate last week to interview Henry Hudson, who was like, he worked for NFL UK for years and now he's over in the States. And he said, you know, I remember updating the NFL UK forum to refresh the two games that would be shown on Sky that weekend if you had that red button option and now it's like <laughs> I remember that forum well <laughs> but it's too it's unbelievable now like you, you talk to people in the states and they can't get over them at the coverage 
that we've had. And like, I don't see Ireland in any difference to the UK in terms of the popularity of the sport. It's continuously grown. And I find it a little bit surprising. You meet people and you don't think they're the kind of guy that would be into NFL. And then you get into a kind of conversation about, oh, you like it. And then you get really into the in-depth conversation. So I think there's kind of three, four folds of fans as the fans who are really engrossed in it because they have a, a team and the sports team to tick and ten. Then you've got your a fantasy football type supporters who will just sit watch red zone for seven hours. And <laughs> they that, won't be disappointed. Mean, they won't be giving out, yeah. Well, they won't be giving it on a Monday morning when the team has won or lost. But we we still have that. And then you've got the betting angle because NFL is such a oh, you know it's just huge betting for, market. It's a huge betting market across all the the betting shops now. And then you get the the, the casual fan who. Floats in and out of it, but so why's the woolly hats? In the yeah, why's the woolly hats? Doesn't know which team to support, picks a team for <laughs> one reason or another. But, but to, to answer your question, very long winded answer, but where we were in the, in the, the late 80s, early 90s compared to now, the, the exposure to the game is you know, it's just social. You know, you can pick up stuff like we're fortunate, we're watching as we touch someone, watching Giants, Giants Life. Like, would you've ever thought 15 years ago you'd have access to watch that type of stuff? You know, and it's there, it's readily available in minutes of it coming out for us. Yeah. See, yeah, I'll feel like... You... Sorry, go on, Dan. I was going to say, it's not as if you've got, to, you've got to be privileged to get access to that footage. It's, it's there, available for everyone to see. And I think even it's, it's even going to get even better sort of the further down the line we go, the more into the future we go. The access is just going to be even better. And I think that's one, that's one thing that separates this sport away from, you know, association football soccer whatever you want to call it that's the that's the big thing that separates it is the access to the teams and access to the players is just head and shoulders above the rest sorry Shay, i'm just going to make a quick point and it's such a unique sport because you know f- football like once we have the premiership from august to may you know you're going to have the europeans now with the european championships in the summer then before you know it, you'll be back in the pre-season then you'll be back into a new premiership season and there's other leagues like the league of Ireland is constructed in a way to go from march to november so Predominantly, most sports are all year round now, where with the NFL, look, that kind of very difficult feeling you get the fourth Sunday after the Super Bowl that just doesn't go away for a while until you get used to you having your Sunday nights back and then you're rolling and you hit the, you hit the draft, you hit free agency and the level of excitement that that brings and then you go into that lull for the summer. So it's such a unique sport in the sense of it's, it's September to, to, November, to February and then it's gone again for so long. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I feel like one of the lucky ones, obviously, I've, I've only been following the NFL for like about five years and all I've ever known is Sky Sports, Game Pass, Red Zone, I never had the, the problems that I've heard people say about it being on Channel 4 back in the day and that. Um, but yeah. co- coming on to the, the current season, or what we're going on, what are your thoughts on free agency in the draft from a Giants perspective? Um, surprised at how aggressive we were. Bearing in mind for so much of the period leading up to free agency, they said that we didn't have a lot to work on. I think the, the Leonard Williams contract was was massive because the way it works, you have to be under the cap by that cutoff point when the first day of free agency starts. You don't necessarily have to be under the cap then until the middle of July. So in theory, you could go and do your business. But the Leonard Williams one was key because we all knew he'd, he'd had 11 and a half sacks last year. And Gettleman gets a lot of heat for that particular that particular trade, giving up the fourth round pick, but I think Gettleman's come out the right side of it now. I know he's got a very expensive contract, but I think it's justified in paying him the money because he would have got that wherever he went. And I'm excited for the, for the first time in a while. I know we've had some 
years where we felt we might be on, we might have a team that can potentially challenge. I know last year we only won six games, but there's a very different feel to those six games last year. And Kenny Galladay was a must. I think that was a huge one. And when Alan Robinson got the contract with the Bears, I felt we wouldn't have got him because I felt that if Robinson was in the market, there was a lot of teams that could be bidding for one player in, as, as opposed to the other. But when he went off and signed, was franchise tagged, I felt Galladay might, mightn't, mightn't happen. So I was delighted with that. I think I was surprised by the Rudolph one because we I think we touched, touched on the point off air that we've now for the first time in quite a while put ourselves in a position where we have three or four players for every position. But I feel he's a very... He can be very effective. I think the jury's out on Evan Ingram at this stage. I think there's a lot of Giants fans would feel that he's just, he's not the player that we, he hasn't lived up to the hype. Rudolph's had 45 touchdowns in the red zone. We need a red zone target. When we get in there, the amount of games over the years where we've settled for field goals, field goals just won't win you games. But yep. I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think we'll probably come to the quarterback situation shortly, but by and large, and then the Adore Jackson one, and I know people have, Raised the fact that he's gone and got himself a very lucrative contract with the Giants at 30 million, and he mightn't, he mightn't have got that anywhere else. But I think Giants have looked at the point of view of if we don't pay him now, um, and someone pays seven or eight million for him this year, and he has a really good year, and he's a, it's a one year contract, someone's going to have to, someone's going to come and pay him 30 million next year, even more. So let's take the chance on him now. And we've locked him in for three or four years. And if he is the player that he looked in the first year in Tennessee on the other side of Bradbury, like this defense has come on leaps and bounds. You look at the players in which you got. You know, we've there's no reason why this defense can't be the same defense of last year. So genuinely think I think people have lost trust in the Giants over the past few years, and that's why we're not getting the talk or the exposure to it in terms of going for this division. But I look at the division as a whole, and whilst everybody's just assumes Dak Prescott is going to come back, I still have doubts about the Cowboys defense. I think Fitzpatrick is the kind of quarterback that can play well for three or four, five, six games, but can he do it for the whole season? I don't believe he can. And Philadelphia at the moment is an unknown. So I think, I genuinely think we're, of all the four teams, we're best positioned to go and make it make a run on it. But again, it's, it's easy to say that now in, in March, April, after the draft and free agency, it's what happens come September when we get out on the field. Yeah, definitely. I just want to say, like, um, we, uh, I feel like we're not only set, set, set ourselves up well this season, but I think we've set ourselves well up going forward in the future. Um and I think um, the Giants fans, just from social media and stuff like that, I think there's a little bit of air of negativity there's been, sorry, of the last year or two. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's time for us to, to be positive and start talking our team up going forward, to be honest. Sorry, John. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And the thing is, it's it feels like you, you say this to fans, you're going to go, here we go again. It's like, you're going to give me the theory as to why they're going to win the division, but it never happens. So after a while, people stop listening to you. Of other teams, of other supporters, but I genuinely feel this is a, this is a year where, and I think it's more so because the division is in such a strange place at the moment. Like there's no standout team, so why can't we not challenge? Why can't we not go? If we went four and two in the two games in which we lost in the division, you could you could argue we should have won both, and we threw away the Philadelphia game mm-hmm. down in Philly, and with Dak Prescott going down in the fourth quarter in Dallas. We really should have won that game. We allowed Andy Dalton to go down on us 40, 50 yards with two minutes to go. We, we had the opportunity to do that on them and it just it didn't play out that way. But we we were in so many games last year that we should have won. Yeah, That's, we've said we've said before it was such fine lines last season. It, you know, I think we only lost two or three games by more than one score. Um, so it was re- it was so tight last year. It could have gone either way. We, if we'd have won an extra two another two games, we'd have been sitting with the 
you know, uh, an eight and eight record, and we'd have been the division winners. So it, I, it could have gone either way. I, I, I just say to sorry, to, sorry to jump in. I just said like on the Irish NFL show in week seventeen, one of the guys said, "Do you want to win and make the playoffs tonight?" And I said, "It's weird. Of course, I want them to win, but we would have went from eleventh pick to the nineteenth pick." And I actually said, "I think for the benefit of the team in the long run, I think it actually would be we would be better suited than not winning." And going into the playoffs. Now, I think we would have put up a better display against Washington, sorry, against Tampa than what Washington did because you saw what we did in MetLife against the Bucks. We, when we ran them very close and arguably could have, should have won that game. It wasn't for a couple of interceptions by Jones. But we would have went to 19th. And I know we've, we've, we've traded down, but we've traded down there and we've come out there with a fourth round and a fourth round. And, and to the point, you know, it puts in a, us in a better position long term. So, was on the, that night itself in Philadelphia did what they did. It was disappointing for a couple of days afterwards. I think, in the grand scheme of things, I think most Giants fans would realise. Yeah, I think, long, I think long time it was actually, this isn't a horrendous thing. It's not a bad thing, and we've come out the better side of it. I think, and also I think with 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 Dallas though, obviously, they're always when it comes to the off season, they're always pre season favourites to win the division. I mean, they've seemed to have been for a long time, um, and like I said, their defence is. Mm, it's not looking great at the moment. Um, and is that going to come back? Is that going to come back at full strength, 100%? They've, they've selected, like I think it's the first time in, in Canada Call, like there was a record around that. They've, they've selected a, a defensive player in every in every round of the draft, which clearly, well, I suppose they've identified that their defense was shambolic last year, which it was. But Dan Quinn has also come in and... and We've had a few media people on beat writers from Atlanta say Dan Quinn was he he was questionable as a head coach. He's a really good defense coordinator and he'll do well in Dallas. But he's brought three or four players in from Atlanta with him. But if you look at the stats last year, I think the Cowboys were 31 and the Falcons were 32 or 30. So is are they going to be a serious upgrade on what they have at the moment? So I still think that defense is questionable. And you're asking five or six rookies to come in. And step up straight away. So one or two might adjust and be very good from the start. And you know, Michael Parsons, I think, is a given. I think they took him across the time went to the Broncos, but he looks like a standout linebacker. And maybe three or four years we'll be all saying he's been a nightmare to us over the past three or four years, further down the line. But again, we're in a position where if we have a settled offense with it going up against a defense that's only it's been put together for the fourth season, you know, you have enough. I'd, I'd rather trust a, a an offense being put together than a defense, a secondary being put together for the first time. So, yeah, definitely. That's why I think a lot of uh, the free agency moves we made in the offseason were critical, to, were key, to be honest, this coming season. We did draft well, but also I thought we made some shrewd sign ins, whether it be like Ragland as a linebacker and Dory Jackson, like you said, as in the secondary, um, and keeping um, Williams. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just think we made some really good free agent moves. Kept good players and um, made some really good uh, um, draft picks as well. Yeah, I think losing Tomlinson was a bit of a blow, but I think our our our, our defensive line is is looking pretty healthy as it is. Um, yeah, so. we've also bear in mind we have a like um, the X man Jimenez. He was out for majority of last season. Lorenzo Carter's to come back. You know, he, he he's been. For years now, talked about as potentially one a great player if he gets his game together. He was gone. He, he injured himself in Dallas in that game, which Prescott broke his leg. So we didn't see anything really of him last year. And all the reports are that he looks like he's back to himself, you know, fitness-wise. So with players that was we're focusing on the Blake Martinez and all these other guys, mm-hmm. the players that were out injured last year that are going to come back that 
without an already stacked defense. And yeah, yeah. Tom Thompson is a loss, but he's the kind of player that you can you can replace in a sense with. Yeah, I think we've. It's it's not it's not as if he's a player that are replaceable, um, and our our, de- our defense is going to go is it, on paper it looks stronger than it did last year, and I think we're in a really good really really good spot with our defense, and it's just now building that offensive line that we've already talked about so much about, and having that faith in the offensive line to be able to allow Daniel Jones to make to work his magic. It's it's a huge question mark. And sorry, just on defense, two other players, Darnay Holmes last year, he came on as the season went on. And I think he, of all the rookies out there, nobody got a touchdown on him when he was in the red zone. He was able to. And McKinney saw towards the back end of the season when he came in what, what a player he, he looked. So, you know, again, two players, another two players that are floating on the radar. So, so many options there on defense. But it is the offensive line, I think, as any Giants fan. It's, you yeah. know, we didn't do anything free agency, we didn't do anything in the draft. They're reliant on all the draft picks from last year to make the step up. I think the draft pick, just to touch on quickly from last year, now they'll have a proper off-season that they didn't have last season. I think that will be beneficial for them. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so talking about draft picks, if you had to grade them, who would be your top pick and who would be your least favourite pick? It's hard to, it's hard to call a least favourite pick. Uh or which one do you I think is going to have the least impact on the team? I think Gary Brightwell will be the one who has the least impact. Oh, oh, mate, Gary. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know you're mate, Gary, but I don't, I don't want to be the, the bearer of bad news. No, I just think because what we've done over the past fortnight, like we brought in, brought in Corey Clemens, who, he, I mean, he played in that Super Bowl against the Patriots and he had to be, played really well. And yeah. he's had so and many bring, injuries. So bringing in Armstead as well. Armstead from the Jags, who. If you look at some of the information that was touted in 2019 when the drafts, mock drafts have been done, a lot of mock drafts had him going to the Giants. And I've seen a couple of people report saying he's been washed out, but he's only had one year and he took a year out, so he's not that washed out. So yeah, I just think Brightwell has put themselves, and again, it's back to the point we said at the start of the show, we're now putting ourselves in a position, four or five players per position. And you look at Saquon, Booker was, a, I wouldn't say he was a reach in a free agency, I just thought he paid a little bit more than they had to for him. Um, so you've got them two, you've got Torg running back, potentially Clement or Armstead coming in. Where does that leave Brightwell? And does he find a slot within the, within the within the panel come August when they're having to reduce it down to the, the 60 mark, give or take? Is he a special teams player? Maybe that's where you put him in. Yeah, so I think uh, I think you can see him as a practice squad player, maybe for the first year. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no harm in that. Like you saw last year, practice squad players coming in and making the immediate impacts. Um, I can't recall the name off the top of my head, but he had an interception in, in the game in Seattle. But he only came off the practice squad that week and he played the following week and he was involved in another interception. So I think what we're finding with judges, and I, I've, I've heard him repeat the same thing, whether you're on the full squad or whether you're on the practice squad, just, you know, if you're on the practice squad, don't assume you're not going to be involved. Take it as, you know, I'm watching every player and if I see a player making Good strides in the practice squad. He'll 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 bring them in, and so yeah, that's the thing. He's not, not afraid to make that decision, and that's one of the things that's impressing about him. He's not he's not scared to make a decision if he needs to let a player go so he can bring a practice squad player, and he will do. Like I yeah. see the practice squad as 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 not a bad thing. You don't because you, you're not being released. Yeah. You're being and you're protected on the practice squad. So, um, and you play with the team. Like you go out with the other fifty-three. Like whether it's 10, 12 or fifteen practice squad players this year. I'm not too sure if they decided on a number yet. Um, but you are part of the roster, and and I think you like 
Brian just said, you know, you, you get called up and you, you know, you, you're going to make a play. You're expected to because you're part of the part of the squad now. Yeah. Just um, who I think is the the most important one. It's, it's actually not Tony for me, and it's more so because with Kenny Galladay coming in and with with Shepherd there, Saquon's coming back. Um, it's great to be saying these things that we have such a, a, a wide range of players that we can use. Um, you got two two tight ends, uh, and Benjamin's an interesting pickup last week. You know, he's kind of compared him from a, a wide receiver to a tight end. But you've got Rudolph, you've got Ingram, so we've got so many players on offense. That how much I know Tony will be using all these kind of marquee plays, like you know the trippy plays. But like he, is he going to be the deep threat all the time? Is he is he going to be the one where you're looking for the quick pass and allow him to do the do the work after the catch and stuff. So for me, it's a, it was Jalari in the second round. Like we needed a pass rusher. Um, I felt at 20 that we might have went Quiddy Pay from Michigan. At the time it seemed like he was the one that we would have went for. Because, but then there was a lot of people. We had Jim Nagy on, who's ESPN draft analyst, and he's kind of the senior executive for the senior ball. So he was, you know, who better than the guy who's kind of oversees the senior ball? And he. He on our show, and this is two or three weeks before the draft, he said Ujilari for me is going to be going late in the first round, if not in the early in the second round. So for him to fall to 20, Giants trade down and get him, you know, he'd be, I think he'd be an immediate impact mm. to, from, from day one. And so I think he'll be, he'll be the one that makes the bigger impact because yeah. we, we haven't had a pass rusher, in, a, a really predominant good pass rusher for quite a while now. Yeah, I think we're all sort of in agreement. I think Ujilari is an absolute steal. And we've, we've yeah, said I'd love it. it. You know, I can't wait for him to be lined up next to Leonard Williams and coming off, you know, coming off that side, trying to trying to block them too. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I also think um, come the season, like MetLife, it's you know, you look at the NFL and you see these stadiums with in terms of the home, the home crowd being a huge factor. And I've never really looked at MetLife in that point in that way. If you have anything, probably the Jets create a better atmosphere than the Giants fans do. But I think having had no fans for a year, like come week one. Trumping a bit. Game, it's going to be some crowd and some noise. And then you're, you have a defense going after. Well, let's, just, let's hope it's not Rogers, but they're going after a Drew Locker or Teddy Bridgewater. Like, that just plays into our hands. It pairs, and people are underwriting this defense. The people are saying the Broncos' defense is going to be difficult to beat on that day. But we, we, our defense was ranked nine last year, going into a home game with a crowd behind us and a, and a questionable quarterback situation in Denver. I think it's playing into our hands. Oh, I can't wait for it. I was there. I was like a little kid the other day booking my annual leave for that Monday, that first week off. I was booking annual leave off and I was like, oh my God, right. I've got it. No one else has booked it. I've got the Monday off, right. For opening weekend, I cannot wait. Oh, but it's September. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah that's, that's the only problem, isn't it? It's so yeah, long yeah. away. But no, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. Um, opening it, weekend. It's, it's a great time as well. Like, like, don't get me wrong, six o'clock games are going for. The half nine game is just perfect. Like, yeah, yeah. If you if you have any distractions in, in the household between six and nine, that goes away usually by <laughs> by nine o'clock. But nine times out of ten, now you get you know got to have all the coverage from six o'clock. But you know when you see nine twenty five, it just eases that. Okay, I'm locked in hundred percent, which you normally yeah. are anyway. But yeah. even more so because it's a late afternoon game over there. Yeah, there's there's no excuse for not watching the game in full because like you said, you've had you've had your tea, distractions away, misses in bed. It's game time. I know, but I don't want to drop any names, but I do know fans that would watch, if their team's playing at six o'clock, would watch Red Zone over their team. 
I'm I'm just I'm not going to say anything. They're I'm guessing they're more fantasy fans than football fans and actual team fans, but that's another discussion. I have over the years where when I know we're out of the playoffs, I'd have to join someone screen and I'll have red zone one on, on, on the other. Yeah, split screen. Yeah. Best of both worlds, two two TVs, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's all good. But no, I certainly wouldn't I wouldn't miss our game. Absolutely not. No, definitely not. So you like an Ojolari. Um You've spoken about Odori Jackson. Is he your sort of top free agent signing, or do you put someone else above him? You think? I think we. I still put Kenny Galladay as our top sign because we haven't had a, a marquee number one wide receiver since Odell Beckham left, and even during the Beckham years, it was that was the right hit and miss. You know, he wasn't consistently like you. It's he's a great talent and he was a great player, and I think. I, I enjoyed his time in, in the Giants and I don't want to come across as someone who did not like Odell Beckham, but there was too much grief or hassle that came with the player and yeah. it, you couldn't honestly go out there every week and genuinely feel he was going to give you a game. Some weeks he'd come out and give you a fantastic game. And the the, the Eli, the interview where he kind of threw Eli and I suppose the Giants organisation under the bus not too long after he got the contract was disappointing. But to the point, yeah, we haven't really had a wide receiver of his talent and then we brought in Golden Tate in that free agent which just didn't make any sense because he wasn't a he wasn't a burner he was more of a slot receiver and they gave him ridiculous money I think it was just trying to appease the fans because they were so disappointed that yeah it's just trying to fill a gap that just didn't really work it didn't really make sense at the time it still didn't make sense now Um, and just one point okay like it was people say oh he was with the Lions and the Lions have had a difficult few years I think the one thing you would say is throughout it the tough times that the Lions have had. If you look at his play and he's been consistent, he's consistent. And Matt Stafford, like I, I, I be, I like Matthew Stafford. I think he'll do well with the Rams. And I think, even though they were losing games, you know, if you look at some of the score lines, the, the games they were losing, it was in the thirties, thirty-seven, thirty-fours, and Galladay was still pulling in two touchdowns and over yeah. hundred yards. So consistently, he performed throughout those years, which justifies why he's got this big contract with Giants. But I, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Him probably more so than Tony initially, just because we know what we should. We we kind of know what we're going to get with Galilee if it, if it works out. Definitely. Definitely. So speaking of the of the draft, the free agents of the guys. So what are your thoughts of of, of Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge? Um, you know how have they done, and and what do you expect going forward? I think I think it's Joe Judge they're given. I think I think a lot of us were disillusioned by Pat Shermer and McAdoo since Tom Goffin left and. Was we had a bit of success initially after uh, when McAdoo came in and we made the playoffs. I think the year in which the you know is he going to play? Is he going to leave him out? He didn't handle that situation very well. His cards were marked in, and then Pat Shermer. I felt that was a head coach, which was fourth, fifth down the list of head coaches at the time that they wanted. They lost out to quite a few going to other place. Um, I had no confidence in him in the end, and I tell, like when Joe Judge came in. I think we all felt it was going to be Matt Rule, even that day in question when Joe Judge was announced, Matt Rule was supposed to jump the fly up um, from Baylor and it, it didn't didn't work out. The Panthers made him that lucrative contract to join Franklin and Matchett. So that even, I think it, most Giants fans were disillusioned still and disappointed by what had happened. But then you saw his press conference. Straight away you went, okay, this guy has something about him. And yeah. You read the Belichick say, Belichick type conversation, says, okay, was other teams have taken other coaches off me. Joe Judge for me is the guy that's going to really has the opportunity potentially to make it. 
And, you know, you saw the, in the performance last year, and we touched on it earlier, was we lost a lot of close games. I think most Giants fans came out of the games when the disappointment passed of having lost the game. You couldn't recognise the team has played really well, and that's down to the coaching. And, you know, the defence side of things, but Patrick Graham, you know, he brought him in his first year, what he did on defence, defence year before, and he was ranked 20, 21. And it just seemed all the players and the coaches all seemed to be working for him. I know there was a, a spot last year where the offensive line guy, I won't even try to pronounce his, his name, got, got sacked in November. But again, that was Judge saying, I've got to show my authority here. I've got to show this team that I'm the boss and once I might be a young head coach in the league, I've got to show this team that I'm in business. And I don't think there's any Giants fan out there that can question Joe Judge so far. You know, I think nine times out of ten, everybody would say, I think we have the right coach for the future. And then for Gellerman, I think Gellerman gets a lot of, a lot of stick. I think there's a narrative out there that he's not a good general manager, but he got the Panthers to the Super Bowl. And this Giants team that he took on a couple of years ago, you know, we're in a really bad place. And I think he's, he's looking to the future. The Daniel Jones one is going to be, you know, what makes and breaks him really. You know, if Daniel Jones doesn't have a good season this year, I think in F3, the Giants will have to make that decision that it's three years and it's time to, Make, to make the decision to move on. And a couple of years ago, Gettleman said, when I ride off into the sunset, I want to leave you with a franchise quarterback. But I also think he's put an insurance plan in place because if you look at the draft picks that we have for next year, two ones, two threes, two fours. And if it doesn't work out for Daniel Jones, you know, we're in the sweepstakes to make a trade for a quarterback next offseason. Is it, you know, a Russell Wilson scenario if Deshaun Watson gets his, you know, personal situation cleaned up and he gets back into the, you know, do you make a move there? I think, you know, he, he could walk away and say, okay, he, I think he knows if it doesn't work out this year for Daniel Jones, inevitably he probably will lose his job. But he'd be leaving the next general manager with quite a substantial amount of picks to take a quarterback in the draft, move up in the draft. And the Bears could have a difficult season. We could we could be benefiting from them having a difficult season. We could pick top 10 and get a quarterback there or do we make a trade because we will be stacked with picks. So, And then the one, like I think over the years he's brought in players that have been effective and players at the right time one or two like questionable the golden tape didn't make any sense at the time people felt that Williams trade was was the wrong thing to do but that's that's worked out so for me Gellerman as I, I I think he's he's good I think just people out there that still won't give him the fair crack of the way but by and large I think what he does is with the long term view in mind yeah I think he's just he's, he sort of brings this sort of calmness to the the front office because he, he never seems to get particularly flustered um he's the jury's out on him everyone has their own opinion of him um but i, I agree with you i agree with your points you're making i think he he's some of the decisions he's made have been have been for the better of the team and i think we're we're in a in a good position going into next year and we all hope let's face it we all hope chicago bears tank this year we all hope they tank this year, so we've got even better capital for next year. Because yeah, that's, that's the reality situation. Yeah. When does Justin Fields? And we won't get into too much of various conversations, but when does Justin Fields play? And how do they? How do they? Uh, yeah. Look at their season as a development year or not? That could be the benefit of ourselves. Well, if they've got Andy, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles to uh, to mess to play with as well, so. Let's hope. We hope. <laughs> do you, do you, what's the overall thoughts on Gellerman? Are you, are you happy or do you feel it's just questionable things have gone on? Or? Well, I think we, 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 we said before that like, so his first couple of years, he was a bit... A lot, a lot of the decisions he made were a bit of a miss. 
but the last this last 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 year and this year so far, a lot of the decisions he made have been a bit of, you know they've been better. So we we sort of said he's near the four years he's been in, he's sort of got a, a bit of a five hundred record. Two seasons not so good. Now these sort of last two seasons have been a bit better. So he's he's doing well. He's doing well, but some of the decisions he made previously could have been better. I, I kind of think like um, that goes hand in hand with the head coaches though as well. I think he tries to get players that the head coaches want or need for their schemes. Um, so some of the misses I, I put down to the head coach saying, you know, can you get me this type of player? I do believe he's always, every decision he's made has been for the better of the team, not to try and just save his job. Um, so and that's all you can ask for for a GM, to be honest. But I also yeah. saying I think George's uh, influence come in because I know there was a big kind of trader Dave and everybody's having a bit of a laugh but the fact that he's traded down two rounds and he hasn't done it before I, I'd love to know how much of that comes down to George trying to push him to move down more so than get him and what to do I thought his press conference leading up to the draft was great where he said I'm not going to be fleeced mm. you know yeah. and that's the end and he wasn't he wasn't he's, he's come out the right side of it this time around and I think I think Judge would have had a, a quite a big influence on his decision because I think you can see the way him and Joe Judge work together. He's he's got that respect for Judge, and he's he, he it's look it just looks good. I think the two of them together, um, Joe Judge, yeah, he's he's obviously had that influence on him to to trade back and become known as Trader Day from now on. Um, I, I think we said before. I think I caught I called it the day before. Was it the day before or on the day? Like actually actually put hashtag Trader Dave in our group chat. And now that's forever what he's known as around the world. And it's like, well, I said that a few hours ago. So start the trend, eh? <laughs> You'd have to mark that one off now. Yeah, copyright it. <laughs> Image rights. Copyright. So obviously, you, you alluded to Daniel Jones a couple of times. So outside of Gettleman, the one person who generates probably the most topic of conversation is Daniel Jones. Do you think he is the guy or can be the guy or are we going to be sat here in 12 months time talking about a new quarterback that we've just drafted? I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's a difficult one because this time last year, people were very positive about Jones. His first year was he had all the interceptions. People said that comes with a rookie. If you, if you look at the overall play, he seemed to be doing really well. And then last year, like we lose Saquon Barkley week two, you know, teams are, you know, teams are, you know, Double, you know, teams are stacking up against the the offense, the wide receivers, and tight ends because they know we've no run game. And then he he seemed to be coming into his own to a certain extent, you know. Um, and then he got injured in Cincinnati, you know. And then he was like the season kind of derailed to a certain extent after that because once we won in Seattle with McCoy, he was never the long term answer. So people are very down on him this year, but this time five months ago they were very positive on him. I think this having we've discussed what they've done in free agency, like. There's no reason why this offense with, a, with the right quarterback can't do huge things. We've so many, we've so many options now. Please God, Barkley comes back to the, be the running back that we expect. And now the, the teams have to kind of defend against Saquon, and then that leaves exposure in the back in the backfield for Daniel Jones to take advantage of. The the, the turnovers have to have to come down. And even but if you look at the numbers towards the back end of the season when he did play, his turnovers was dropping. He seemed to be realizing that. That, you know, taking the sack or throwing the ball away, you know, it's just as good as, you know, you know, there's no point in throwing interceptions or just, you know, throwing the ball up. And maybe that would still be the case because Kenny Galladay is deemed to be one of these wide receivers that can go and take it, 
a ball out of, out of field when he's double coverage. But right now it's difficult to see whether he's the right guy. It's it's a very precarious one. And it's unusual because I don't generally think there's any Giants fan out there that could turn around and say he is the right man. But this year will be telling. Because if you look at Josh Allen, for example, I know he's kind of one we keep, everybody keeps referencing. Similar conversation last year and once the Bills made a playoffs, he, he went yeah. off the rails in that playoff game in Houston. And people said if a little bit more experience, he would have won the game. And then the last year they give him digs and they, they bring in a running back for him in the draft. And all of a sudden he's close to being an MVP player. And what's to say Jones can, or Jones can't do that for us this year? Yeah, very, it's very true, Mac. I think, I think the second year also having the same playbook. I think it'd be the first time in about four or five years they've had the same sort of playbook for two years running. I think that'd be a big thing as well. Yeah, no offseason, new, new offense coordinator. Um, I thought Garrett at times play calling was conservative, you know, which didn't help him. And then sometimes he was calling plays when in, in parts of the field that you you just don't expect. And like, you know, there was, I don't even recall the game against the 49ers where they tried to do a trick play end over end and Evan Ingram comes around and there's a fumble. They're doing that at the 25, their own 35 yard line. It's, you know, so you've got to be doing that on the other side of the field, you know? Yeah, at least over halfway, but doing it at yeah. 35, yeah, it's suicide, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think he should be playing to his skills. And I don't think, and I know like, I'm saying this after a guy who actually ran and got a hamstring injury, but I think there was many plays last year where they could have been utilising more with the run game. Like the game in Philly was toward and three and he goes for that 50 and 20 yard pass to Evan Ingram. Should have caught it, would have put the game away. Like, to me, that was a fake, a kind of a fake handoff scenario there. Try to get him out on the on the boundary and if he can run for the first down, great. If not, you try, you try get a tight end coming across. I know we're getting a bit tactical with players, but I just felt he wasn't utilised as much as he could, you know, because he, he has legs. He can, he can really run when he gets going. And hopefully he won't use as much this season because Saquon is back. But Garrett, second year, he he's under the microscope to, to a certain extent. If it doesn't work out this year, he'll be gone as well. Well, if it does work out, he might be gone as well as a head coach somewhere. Well, that's yeah. it. He interviewed for the Chargers, so like, he's... <laughs> It's not against the rounds of possibility to come around again. He'll get another shot. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I never really liked Jason Garrett when he was at Dallas, um, just because a he was at Dallas, but b I didn't feel didn't feel like his his head coaching acumen was what the Cowboys needed because Dallas, you know, being America's team, they're in the national spotlight week in week out, whether they like it or not. And I just think he was a bit underwhelming as the Dallas coach. And going going to last year, obviously coming in as the OC again, like you say, his play calling at times a bit conservative. It was very underwhelming, and some of the play calls he he made were just absolutely baffling. Like you said, with the the end around for Ingram that he deserved end up fumbling, um, and the fact that obviously we lost Barkley in week two, something needed to happen with the run game, uh, you know, and because we didn't establish the run game in pretty much any game all season. You've 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 ruled out pass you know rule out play action straight away because you can't you can't establish the run game because you're just gonna the opposition defense is gonna know you're gonna go you're gonna go pass heavy so they're gonna play they're gonna play to that weakness and they're gonna play to their strengths and bring out the best pass defense they can so I think Jason Garrett I think he's he's got a lot to prove this season for me and I think he does I hope he does um, switch up the playbook a bit and play to our strengths rather than. Uh, and rather than being conservative and 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 not taking risks, I hope he takes those risks and but a, a calculated risk and a, and a and a good risk. I hope he doesn't take the risk and, and it, it goes the opposite way. 
actually just on the run game. So you like you talk about having to use that run game. If you look at that game in Seattle and was the Seattle defense wasn't great for the first start to see first part of the season. They came together in the second part. We ran for like 120 odd yards in that game and yeah. we had Colton Coy quarterback and the defense won that game for us. I'm not gonna say that it was the offense of the run game, but you see the difference when you have two running backs that can put 120 yards up, you know, it, it, it relieves the pressure on the offense. And we've let Wayne Gallman go when he's gone to the 49ers and the Booker one was strange to me because I felt if we're going to pay $6 million over two years, why not try give it to Gallman? And I don't, look, I don't know the numbers on which we got in San Francisco, but I can't imagine it's uh, it's, it's astronomical and mind-blowing. So Gallman seemed to be coming on nicely as a running back and I felt he could have been a great option to have. Who's used yeah. to the offense, understands has had a season with it and you know and he can play he can play back back up to Saquon but not to be. Yeah, I think Goldman's contract was pretty much minimal. Yeah, um, I think it was one year one mil or something like that or yeah, 950k. It's, like that. it's like how are you not paying a one one even yeah. if he signed him to a two year contract on two, two and a half mil, it's better than a two year contract on I six. I think we mil. discussed it. I think it was a mutual party. I think both parties wanted to have a clean slate and to move on, to be honest. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see what Goldman could have done. With another year on his belt, but good luck to him in San Francisco. I wonder did that fumble on the final play in, in week seventeen have anything to do with the decision? It was like, <laughs> oh, we're we're in, we're we're fifty fifty where we're going to keep him. And as as you probably can remember, you're, uh, you're running for a fourth down, and you're going to go, yes, we have the game, and then all of a sudden he fumbles. It's kind of tough. Yeah, I did pops. I'm glad he's not just me. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a uh, it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? But good luck to him. Um, and yeah, no, we're I, in I, a good. I'd like to see him do well because, in fairness, from like when he did play, he he was saying, you just knew when he looked at me, he was certainly prepared. It was always given hundred percent when he went on the field, which it's not always the case with other players in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, so was he talking about going back, going to um, Giants and sort of previous Giants, all-time Giants, current Giants, who's Overall, who's your, I'll say, favourite all-time giant? Who's the guy that wore blue that you just will go to every time? I don't know if it's going to be an obvious answer, but Eli, I suppose. Eli Manning, I, like, I mean, two great Super Bowls. Like, I know I touched on the 86 and 91, but I was only a kid. The ones that you really, really enjoy and can relate to, you know, is those two Super Bowls in 08 and 2012. And, like, that Super Bowl where... To beat an unbeaten team in the Super Bowl, I mean, and he's only played for the Giants. He never wants to play for anybody else. And I know the last couple of years were were difficult because it's difficult for the fans as much as difficult for him because I think we all knew his time was inevitably coming to an end, and it probably should have came to an end a little bit sooner than it did because he just we knew it, even the season before that he, he just wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, I think so. maybe he went on a year too long. Yeah, absolutely, and it's difficult for fans then because when you see a player who you've loved so much and. You think of all the great games over the years where he's pulled out wins and the Jets game in 2012 and Chris's Eve where we have to win just to have a hope of getting to the playoffs and we go and goes and chose a 99 yarder. To, 99 to, to number 80. Yeah, what a touchdown. And, you know, there's just so many great moments over the years, which now in terms of when you reflect on it, he's, you know, you look back, it's just great days and kind of at the time you don't really think about it, but you look back now and they have a quarterback who plays and a quarterback who never really missed games, like you see that record and all the controversies that came with him not playing that game in, in Oakland at the time when McAdoo decided to go with Geno Smith. And I think the fans would have 
you know, be more comfortable if Davis Webb, who was just being drafted that year, had been given the opportunity to play because you could argue that they're looking to the future, but to bring in Geno Smith just didn't make any sense. But yeah, it's just a slap in the, the face. The organization didn't do him any favors there. And if anything, it kind of brought back the love for Eli because when he came back the next week, the crowd, you know, the reaction from the crowd was brilliant. And then he played that final game against the Dolphins. It was great. So if you like for me, and you could put Lawrence Taylor and guys up there, but but conscious of the viewers who are listening, we might have a younger audience. So Eli, and then right now I'd say Blake Martinez because when he was when he was signing free agency last year, there was a lot of question marks. There was two or three linebackers. I think Amos was one that went to the Rams. He was leaving the Rams. I can't recall. He went to the Raiders. I think, and people said, "Oh, he should have went for him." And you know, Blake Martinez was two or three, and it was questionable. People were saying, "Oh, he didn't play well for the Packers." If you look at the scheme, in which the scheme was very different than what the Giants were working off, and what Patrick Graham has done is he to play to his benefit. And he's a tackling machine. He's just unbelievable. And even when he got injured towards the back end of the season, he was still doing his utmost to be back out there. He's just he kind of epitomizes everything we want in a defensive player at the moment. And we've had those over the years with Taylor, Tuck, Osi. And once he's not on the you know on the defensive line per se, he's, you know, he's still, you know, you can see why he's a captain of a defense. He looks he's kind of really want the round for um, just a born leader, isn't he? Yeah, it's great. We've got him as prime now as well. And he's you can see like and he's a smart player as well. And you can see him obviously being the Mike Lang back there getting the instructions through the helmet and stuff like that. You see him directing everything out there. Um, yeah, he's just been such a such a good sign and like very underrated. Like, look, his attitude is so spot on. I sometimes thought last year, like, does he look at what's going on in Green Bay? And I know he played in that tour team and three team that got roasted in San Francisco in the championship game. But like, he looks at that Packers team last year going, if I hadn't left Green Bay, I could have been going for a Super Bowl. But you, you, you didn't sense that from him. His, his attitude was just 100%. I'm a part of the Giants now. I want to be here. I'm enjoying playing me football in this defense. And once we haven't won many games, he, he could see what was the plans that have been put in place to make it. Right. So as Giants fan over across, uh, across the pond over this side, um, how many games have you been to over the years and what's been your favorite? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I was at the Wembley game in 07. That's a given, you know, you, you're living over this side of the world and your team is playing here. So that's, that's a non-starter. Absolutely. 100% of that game. I was over in joint stadium for one game and I've been to MetLife quite a few times. And favorite game, Strange enough, is the one in Joint Stadium because and even though we lost, um, I had the opportunity to watch. It was the year in which we won the Super Bowl. It was the 07, 08 season. It was week two, and Brett Favre was playing for the Packers and he tore us apart. So, strange to say that was my favorite game because we got absolutely roasted. But Joint Stadium, if you've been to Joint Stadium and you've been to MetLife, you quickly realize they're not the same. It's just there's something about Joint Stadium. And then to watch Brett Favre, who arguably is one of the best quarterbacks to play the game, and I, you kind of didn't. I didn't think of it at the time because I left the stadium disappointed, and we beat them in the championship game with Brett Favre on the interception to Corey Webster. So it was a bit of an unusual one because it kind of came around full circle that I got to see them play each other and me too, and he ends up throwing the interception. His last throw as a Packer, so it was weird. But it's the overall experience, and for fans out there who haven't been over, who really want to get over, it's a great experience to to Hellgate and everything. And once the stadium is not the stadium of old. MetLife is still a very good stadium, very enjoyable place to go. But that game in Giant Stadium for me was a standout game. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to go to Giant Stadium to a game in 09. So uh, I know what it's like. And it was uh, sort of that pilgrimage to Mecca. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the same feel as, as, as MetLife does. It's just, 
I went to, on one weekend I went to two games and met like as it happened because I have a friend who's a Bears fan and we went to the Giants on the Sunday and we were fortunate that the way the schedule worked out that the Jets were playing at home to the Bears on the Monday so we went over the weekend we went to the Giants Texans on the Sunday Sunday lunchtime game one o'clock six o'clock our time and then on Monday night went to the Jets Bears to be in the ground two games in two days and the difference in price for tickets was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous to, to sit down on ground level at, at Jets Bears as opposed to being up in the upper tier for the Giants. Giants tickets were very expensive, but that just goes to show you you want to see the best team in town in New York. I'm not yeah. surprised about that really. You're here. I'm not surprised about that at all. That's what you can do though when they got the all grey stadium and they just change the colour of the, the, the screens and lights and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, literally in the space of it's all switched over the guys have switched over the, the end zones very quickly and then you're in a different completely different part of the stadium the yeah. following day and you're kind of going oh, I was up there last night it's, but it, it no, it's, very, of... look, it's, it's still a very enjoyable experience to get to the new stadium yeah even down to like the, the like merchandise like stands they just switch them around it's mad isn't yeah. it you've got jets on one side giants on the other they'll switch it around and it's unusual to be asked for a photo ID for a beer when you're in your <laughs> late, late 30s. Yeah, I thought that was very strange when I went. It's like, ID? I don't need ID. I've, yeah. yeah. I haven't had that yeah. situation in a long way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, unfortunately for us, um, Brian has his own show to present following this. Um, so all of us here at Big Blue UK and Ireland wish to thank you uh, for coming on to join us. Um, we'd love to get you back on... Um, another time either in the off season or as we sort of move forward into the season in September yeah. uh, would you be up for that oh absolutely yeah really enjoyed it to me it's great to sweet um, for those that listen you can find um, Brian's show on Apple Podcasts and all various different podcast catch, um, podcast platforms available uh, you can follow him on Twitter um, at IRENFL um, Brian just just tell us a little bit about what you got, what you guys do over there yeah, so yeah, we, we, we kicked off the Irish NFL show last October and it's gone strength to strength. We were fortunate that we've had a few contacts in the States that we've been able to have former players, uh, current players and former coaches. And we've had a number of NFL Network guys on the show. So we broadcast every Friday night on Twitter, on Facebook, the Irish NFL show Twitter page or on the Facebook or on YouTube. Um, do a really, really good show every Friday night where we try to have two or three different guests Covering the day, but I suppose it's a mixture of two Broncos fans, a Giants fan, and a Patriots fan. But the aim is to kind of bring NFL to this side of the world, you know, whether it's UK, Europe, Ireland. And we try to remain as balanced as we can on the show once we have a love for our teams. But it's just, it's gone from strength to strength. And the support we've had over, over the last few months is, is great. And we were fortunate to have the opportunity to broadcast our draft preview show on Virgin Media Sports in April, the, the night before the draft. So we were the force. American football show to be broadcast on Irish terrestrial TV for 20 years. So that was a, a huge achievement for ourselves, which was great. And I just touched on earlier, we did a live show during the draft, which went on for five and a half years, five and a half hours. So we're moving it on. We're moving it on during the season. We're, we're looking to kind of get out there and start doing more live shows. We have a live show booked for week two in Dublin in the Woolshed, which is predominantly the bar. You go to watch the NFL in Dublin. And we've got two live shows organized for london coinciding with the weekends where the games are on so week five and week six we're planning a saturday night show we haven't got the venue um finalized yet but we're working on that and anybody who wants to register their interest to come along to the show can do it at irishnflshow.com 
and then we're also in Belfast in week nine when the Giants hopefully will be putting a beating on the Raiders. So that's uh, another one that we've uh, put out there. Yeah, so we've we're doing the show is just take, it's gone so well and we're taken back with a level of interest even in the off season every week to get the audience numbers that we're getting on. But um, we want to get out there. We want to meet fans because you know. The show is for fans, and we're fans as well at the end of the day, so we want to get out. We're, we're working on some guests as well, which will go down well at the, the live shows, and hopefully people who are in the UK who are listening tonight who want to come along and enjoy the experience, you know, because at the end of the day, it, getting all NFL fans together from all teams is a great experience. And that weekend, I think the NFL have done well, done well, done well this year in terms of the games they're putting on in London. I think with it being so early in the season, I think there'll be still a lot of things up in the air, and I think all teams will become will we'll get two really competitive games. So um those shows are planned and hopefully people will reach out on the website and declare their interest and purchase the tickets for the event. So um yeah it's been great being on the show with you guys. As I said I've joined fan for a long time. So to be on the show discussing joints just has been a, a privilege and love to do it again in the future. Yeah. Hundred percent man, we'll we'll get you back on no doubt for sure. Um because let's face it, we all love talking Giants football and we can talk for hours and hours and hours about it. Um I had a I had a listen to a couple of your your episodes in the last sort of couple of few days. Um, you, I love what you're doing over there, man. Um, it's, it's a, like you and you and the boys over there are doing a really really good job. Obviously interviewing uh, Handsome Hank the other day. That was yeah, quite a, Henry, that was yeah. quite a big sort of coup getting a Handsome Hank on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah no, he's you, very good in fairness. He was very helpful in terms of done a few things for us in the background as well. So. Yeah, but now you do, you're doing some really good work over there, mate. So uh, keep it up. It's I enjoyed it, that's for sure, and I'm, I'm sure... That's going great. The boys going great. But look, guys, just say, just keep keep at it. And... Yeah, it's been a blast chatting to you, man. Yeah, it's been great. It's really enjoyable. And we'll, like I said, we'll get you back on, no doubt, either if it's during the off-season or if it's actually during the season when we're actually playing. Do, do, um, do one in training camp, if, you know, or whatever, pre-season. Yeah, we'll, we'll work something out, definitely. Yeah, um, anything to add before you go, guys? No, just thanks again to Brian to jumping on and 100% likewise. Looking forward to chatting at some point, numerous times, hopefully, um, between now and the season. Yeah, great. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers. No worries, thanks, Brian. Good man. Right, cheers. Talk soon, guys. Take care. Take care, buddy. Cheers. All right, so yeah, that was uh, that was Brian from the uh, Irish NFL show. Um, absolutely amazing to have him on. Um, thanks for coming on, Brian. We really do, all do appreciate it. Um, it's been a real sort of privilege to talk Giants football with someone different outside of us three, and it's been it's been really good to sort of get to know him um, and to get to know his thoughts behind the team and what he thinks of the team moving forward. Um, and we will get him on again at some point, no soon, no doubt. Um, we will be back next week to talk th- all things OTAs because they are coming up, guys. Whoop whoop! Um, we are very looking, very much looking forward to it. Um, so we'll be back next week with that. Guys, anything to add before we go? No, nothing from me. Just echo your sentiments. Um, definitely look forward to chatting to him again. And like I say, every week, roll on next week's episode. It'll be a week closer to the season and uh, more joint stuff to talk about. Yeah, it was good to have Brian on. Um, again, he's uh, another fan. He's uh, predates us, us three, to be honest. Like, you know, so it's good to have that diversity of someone who's been there since the 80s. I didn't want to say anything at the time, but he, he obviously followed the Giants since '85. That's before I was born. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and you hear by his takes as well um, that he, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he watches them 
uh, intently and you know he knows he knows his stuff so yeah it's great to have him on it's good to, ha- to hear that he's got some similar views to ourselves as well so we you know we're all sort of seeing that we're seeing the same things and we're seeing the giants go in the right direction which is good yeah definitely um really enjoyed this week guys it's been a blast looking forward to next week and otas sign off till next time go, go giants, giants.